This morning, a war is raging inside the U.S. epicenter of COVID-19. New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut now topping 85,000 confirmed cases and more than 1,400 deaths. Help is pouring in, but the cases continue to rise in New York City. A child with an underlying condition has now died from the virus. That's the first in the city. This virus doesn't discriminate. It attacks everyone and it attacks everywhere. The president said this is a war. I agree with that. This is a war. Then let's act that way. And let's act that way now. And let's show a commonality and a mutuality and a unity that this country hasn't seen in decades. For the New York State AFL-CIO, I'm Darcy Wells, and this is Union Strong. As we record this podcast, the number of positive coronavirus cases continue to climb and the number of deaths are increasing at an alarming rate. New York City has become the coronavirus pandemic epicenter, putting our healthcare system to the test. And as the governor has warned in his daily press briefings on the virus, while New York City is the hotbed at the moment, we can expect to see a higher number of cases spread across the rest of the state. Businesses are closed. People are out of work, while essential frontline workers continue to put themselves at risk to save others. On this podcast, we're going to spend some time focusing on what's being done to help so many men and women who have suddenly found themselves unemployed to help healthcare workers and others risking their lives on the front lines, and the help now on the way to support our economy during the greatest public health threat of our time. First up, a historic economic recovery package signed into law after some contentious negotiations. To discuss the CARE Act, we're very fortunate to have on the phone with us Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer. Senator, thank you for taking the time to come on our podcast. Hi, good day to all of my friends in the labor movement. I've been a pro-labor guy since I got started, so thank you for all you do. Let's talk about the CARES Act. There's a lot in it. Can you give us some of the highlights and particularly how it will bring relief to workers? First, I hope everybody is safe and sound and uh, avoiding the contact with people that the doctors tell us. Um, One little bit of advice, Uh, this is not totally... Uh, uh, foolproof, but my doctors told me, take your temperature in the morning, take your temperature in the evening. It's not foolproof, but if you have no temperature, it's likely you're okay. So that's good advice to people. Yes. And second, I just say, before I get into this, this crisis is like none we've ever known for two reasons. One, it's on, we don't know anything. How long will the virus last? What are the exact symptoms? How is it really spread? I asked my doctor, well, if you get it, are you immune from it later? They said, we don't know. It's too new. But the second thing is we're all isolated. I'm alone. I'm in my apartment in New York with my wife. I'm with my uh, daughter and her uh, husband because their apartment's too small and our one-and-a-half-year-old grandson, which, by the way, it reminds me, there's nothing that tires you out more than chasing your one-and-a-half-year-old grandchild around the house who's happy to take all the pots and pans out of the closet, <laughs> throw the books off the bookshelves and everything else. That's great. In any case, so when the Republicans came in with their bill, we thought it was awful. It put corporations first, a huge $400 billion slush fund for the big corporations with very little check on it. 
it didn't have much for workers at all. It did have the $1,000 that uh, Trump said, or the $1,200 for anyone who makes under $99,000 a year, or 75000 But it was even regressive. It had 600 for poorer people and 1200 for uh, the people at the higher end of that spectrum. And it did very little for workers. Mm-hmm. We Democrats realized something in the Senate. But this bill was not just going to be with us for days or weeks, but for months and years. And we were not going to let him put a corporate first bill through McConnell or uh, Trump. And so we decided to block it. We had great unity in our caucus from Bernie Sanders, probably the most liberal member of our caucus, to Joe Manchin, the more most uh, conservative member of our caucus. We were united. We blocked the bill twice and we forced McConnell to put our proposal front and center. And that is the bulk of the bill. And our bill is called Workers First. We wanted to put workers, not corporations, first. And in addition, because we know that the only way we're going to get the economy back going is to beat the health care crisis, the second part of it was a Marshall Plan for our uh, hospitals and health care industry. We succeeded much, much far beyond what we thought because we were tough, we were strong, and the Republicans had to relent. And so there's lots of good things in the bill. It's probably more assistance to average working people than any bill uh, since the Great Society. And it's, uh, it's done with uh, the idea of workers first. So let me go over what's in the bill. Okay. First, there is a Marshall Plan for hospitals, uh, community health centers, uh, nursing homes, and health care workers. $150 billion. And it can be used uh, for flexibly if a hospital needs to build more beds and more rooms, if a hospital needs new doctors and nurses, and of course for the ventilators, the PPE, the equipment. But it's flexible so that, for instance, let's say there's a nurse who, you know, took a couple of years off and now she feels the need to come back to work, but her kids are home because their schools are closed. Money from that can go to pay for child care to watch her kid. The second part of the bill, which uh, my staff and I devised, is, is could be a big change in the way America works. It's called unemployment insurance on steroids. And what does it mean? If you lose your job through no fault of your own, business you're in is not uh, bringing in revenue. Um, the federal government will pay your full salary or very close to it for the next four months. Uh, that goes through July 31st. And it applies to everyone, gig workers. It applies to freelancers. It applies to part-time workers. It applies to individuals as well as workers in larger, in small business and large business. And you, you apply for unemployment. You get it quickly and easily. We've gotten rid of a lot of the restrictions and augmented the state employment offices. And then you get this salary. Um, so you're made whole. In addition... Um, the employer furloughs you rather than fires you. So you're still on the payroll and you get the benefits that you normally might get, the health care and everything else. And then the beauty of this is since the employees are furloughed, they're still getting paid, but they're not quitting their job. They're not leaving their job. When, God willing, this coronavirus uh, is beaten, these businesses, whether it's a little restaurant or a manufacturing plant or anything else, an office, service business, uh, will reconstitute itself. The employees won't have scattered to the winds because they're still on the payroll, getting paid by the federal government, and it'll get us going much more quickly. The third thing is what the president wanted as part of the bill, which is um, $1,200. We made it 
We made it uh, not regressive. Everyone gets 1200 who makes below 75000 The problem with that is that's a one-month payment, mm-hmm. one-time payment. You've got to pay your rent or you've got to pay your mortgage. One time isn't going to do the job because this isn't going to be over in a month. And that's why our unemployment insurance on steroids is so much, so much better, longer, and fuller. Um, The next thing we did, he had a $400 billion bailout to corporate America uh, with no restraints. We wouldn't even know who the loans were made to, who didn't get the loans, what the terms of the loans were. This would be a repeat of the mistakes of 2008. So we insisted on real restrictions, and we got them. Every loan that is made or rejected, the full loan terms must be made public so we can see within 14 days of the loan so the public will be able to examine it. We've also put three layers of oversight. We have an inspector general for the whole big bill. We have an inspector general for just these loans, both with subpoena power, and then we have a congressional review committee as well. So we will know what's in there, and the public can go after it. Another provision, smaller, but I'm sure you'll appreciate this. Donald Trump and his family cannot benefit from any of these loans. I wrote that provision in the bill. The president was not too happy, but such is life. Say lobby. Well, that sounds um, great. So, sounds very encouraging. So that's the corporate part. Mm-hmm. And wait, there's more. Small business. Small businesses and all but the biggest businesses will get um, – uh, uh, interest-free or very low-interest loans to pay their other expenses. So if you're, at, let's say, a restaurant, the workers are taken care of by the unemployment insurance. But what about your rent? What about your electricity bill? What about your insurance? Mm-hmm. They will get loans for that. And listen to this. If they keep all their workers and rehire them, all those loans are forgiven. That's great. And the percentage is on a percentage base. So you keep 100% of your workers, you get 100% of your loans forgiven. You keep 75% of your workers, 75% of your loans are forgiven. So businesses will get this and have an incentive Mm -hmm. to keep their employees. And that will help small businesses. And there's a similar program for medium-sized businesses, which will make a big, big difference. And we gave aid to mass transit. Mm-hmm. Our airlines were going to go under. There were going to be 200,000 people who would lose their jobs. We worked with the airlines unions, and now every employee in the airlines will stay on with full pay and full benefits because they got grants. Um, so that'll be, a big, uh, that'll be a big help. And we got money for state and local governments. Not enough, but still a good start because they're running out of money as well, and we got $150 billion. Most all of this was opposed by McConnell and the Republicans, but we forced it through. And at the end of the day, and I give them credit, they voted for it, Mm -hmm. 96 to nothing, because they knew we had to do something. I would say this about our package. I'm proud of it. It's workers first. It's not everything we want, but we will be going back with a COVID-4. Maybe we can have a large infrastructure program there, which will help put Americans to work in good union-paying jobs, because we will insist on protections, Davis-Bacon and PLA. And um, we will also be able to fill in some of the holes here. But it's a much improved package. I'm proud our Democratic caucus is strong. And we got most, not all, of what we wanted. Well, that sounds good. You mentioned a possibility of a COVID-4. Do you think that that plan could include relief for pension plans hit hard by this pandemic? Yes. One of the things we didn't get, which was because McConnell blocked it, in all fairness, Trump was okay with this was relief from the pension plans. Our workers should not get pension cuts. And we proposed that every orphan plan 
that was underfunded, the federal government would put money into the PBGC so there would be no cuts in anybody's pension. That is at the very top of the list of COVID-4. And I've been working with Rich Trumpka and the union movement to make sure that happens. We are going to fight very hard for it and to make all pensions of all workers whole. Different unions have different needs. We're going to try to take care of all of them. Very high priority. Is there also some funding set aside in what was just passed uh, for education? Yes, $30 billion for education. Mm -hmm. Um, My state of New York, for instance, gets a billion dollars for K through 12, but also for universities. You know, they're suffering too. And a billion dollars went directly uh, uh, in New York state and similar proportionate money in other states to the universities as well. So we got a good money, and I work closely with uh, Randy Weingarten, AFT, as well as uh, uh, um, the other NEA and the other education unions, and they're very pleased with what we were able to get in there. Well, that's fantastic. And we have a lot of that broken down on our website so that people can uh, can see what, what this bill includes. Um, and then, you know, we went over three and what could possibly in the, be in the fourth one. Can you remind us what Congress passed in the previous bills in response to this yes. crisis? The the first bill was to quickly develop a vaccine and to pay for people's testing. I have to say, this administration has been behind the curve on testing, on equipment, on recognition of how serious this was. At the beginning, President Trump thought by saying it wasn't serious, it wouldn't become serious, and that was a big mistake. But now we're ramped up. We're pushing them to work very hard. But COVID-1 called for money for a vaccine, money to beef up the CDC and the uh, uh, FDA and things like that. Mm-hmm. COVID-2, we got some family leave, not enough, paid family leave, paid sick leave. And that's going to be one of our biggest priorities in COVID-4, to strengthen that a great deal. And I think what I'd say this is, let's hope this is a model. The increased help for workers, which we haven't really seen come out of this uh, Congress, particularly this Republican-controlled Congress for so long, hopefully will become a model. And even if, God, after God willing, we beat this horrible, horrible virus, that we will use that as a model to really make our, our government more pro-worker as this bill was. And you gave some good advice off the top of the show. I'm just wondering if you have a final message uh, to the many union members who listen uh, who are out there anxious. I mean, I think we're all anxious and wondering economically and, you know, protection-wise for gear. Any kind of final message to them? Yes. We, we are working hard on all of the problems that people have. Sometimes with the administration, it's hard because they got to implement this, but we're pushing them to do it quickly in the right way. But I'd say to all of my friends in labor, the working people of America have always stuck by America. And even in difficult times, whether it was from the early days of the revolution, through the Civil War, through the Great Depression and World War II and the problems we've had subsequently, working people have been the backbone of America because they never give up. I know None of us will be giving up. We'll beat this scourge. We'll make America stronger, bigger, better than ever. Well, Senator Schumer, thank you for your time today. And on behalf of our president, Mario Salento, we wish you continued good health for you and your family. And please stay safe. Yeah, and I'd say one more thing to Mario. New York gets $110 billion of this. We do very well in this package, as do many of the other states. Fantastic. We're glad to hear it. Thank you again. Thank you. Take care. Take care. Bye-bye. 
Joining me on the line now is our special counsel at the New York State AFL-CIO, Joe Cannabis. And Joe, um, I wanted to ask you a little bit about uh, gig workers. Senator Schumer talked about in this stimulus package, there's unemployment benefits for gig workers, something that we're working on here in New York State. Um, But there was just that recent court case with Postmates uh, was decided by the New York State Court of Appeals. And uh, if you're not familiar with Postmates, they're a courier service delivering items from restaurants and stores right to your home or office. So, Joe, can you tell us about the Postmates case? Thank you, Darcy. Before I get into the case, I just want to point out the fine print again. Uh, I am a lawyer, but I'm not here for the purpose of providing legal advice to any of the listeners out there. Anyone who has legal questions can talk to their union or should seek private legal advice. I'm not offering a legal opinion or guidance, but simply providing an overview on legislative and administrative topics that we're engaged on. I think it's important to point out that New York State Court of Appeals is the highest court in New York State. So this is a case that involves a worker who worked for Postmates. He was a courier uh, back in 2015. He only worked for Postmates for a short amount of time, and he was deactivated. The company alleged that he didn't get uh, good customer ratings, and that there was some type of fraud. Um, So after they deactivated him, he applied for unemployment insurance benefits. The company challenged that application. Uh, It went to the Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board, which is a board within the Department of Labor here in New York State. And the Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board decided that he was an employee and he was entitled to unemployment insurance benefits. The company appealed that to the Appellate Division Third Department, which is the Intermediate Level Appeals Court here in New York, and uh, the company won there, uh, and the DOL and the Attorney General appealed that decision to the New York State Court of Appeals. The New York State Court of Appeals found that the worker was an employee for the purposes of unemployment insurance benefits. The significance of this is that now all other workers similarly situated will be eligible for unemployment. The the term similarly situated is going to be at the crux of whether app-based workers will be entitled to this benefit as of right or whether they would have to go through a similar process that this worker did. The, The other important thing that the decision did was right there up in the front uh, without really any discussion, totally dispensed with the argument that these companies provide technology as opposed to whatever it is that they're actually providing. It said right in the decision on the sixth or seventh line, Postmates is a delivery company. And that's what we've been saying all along. Nobody goes to Postmates in order to obtain technology. They go to Postmates in order to get a delivery. So um, this is a very good decision for workers. And also, it creates a pathway for workers to be determined employees for the purposes of other benefits. So this is really, it's a its a big step, right? It's a step in the right direction. It lays the groundwork for other potential rights to come along with this, with this court case. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. I think that is fair to say. It does. It lays the groundwork. It doesn't mean that this worker would automatically be entitled to workers' compensation or minimum wage or overtime, but it lays the groundwork for the appropriate decision-makers to get to that point. The other thing that I would like to point out is that this won't be automatically applied to all other app workers. The court said similarly situated workers. So there may be some wrangling 
or other apps. But it is a good decision, and it represents a step in the right direction. So, Joe, you mentioned workers' compensation, and that's something else that we feel um, these these app workers should be entitled to. So I want to just switch gears for a moment uh, regarding workers' compensation and relate it to COVID-19. Um, can you give uh, some idea of what people should be doing uh, who are on the front lines right now and, and uh, exposed potentially to the virus? What should they do as it relates to workers' compensation? Sure, Darcy. Thank you for asking. So if somebody contracts or is exposed to COVID-19 in the workplace in New York State, they're covered by workers' compensation. The problem is, is that the way that the system is set up, it allows insurance companies and employers to deny some valid claims. And it places a very high burden of proof on some of the employees. The New York State AFL-CIO is doing everything we can on a legislative and executive level to make sure that those workers who are exposed to COVID-19 in the workplace are actually able to access the benefits that they're entitled to under the workers' compensation law. We are also encouraging workers covered by the New York State workers' compensation law, and that's the vast majority of workers in the state are covered by that law. Mm-hmm. So the workers that are covered by the law and exposed to COVID-19 in the workplace should immediately notify their employer of the exposure and file for workers' compensation. Filing upon exposure is the best way for workers to protect their claim to benefits in the event they get sick. Workers should also notify their employer and file a claim in the event that they're exposed to people at work who are exhibiting coronavirus symptoms Mm -hmm. but who have not yet been diagnosed. Let me just jump in here. So keeping records would also be important then, right? When What days you're going to work, if you notice someone maybe was coughing near you, it's important to keep those kind of records? One of the things that we saw in the aftermath of September 11th is that there wasn't sufficient record keeping, Darcy, and this Mm -hmm. is something that we're still dealing with today. There are bills in the legislature to to rectify situations where even employers didn't keep adequate records and workers are getting sick and have have extreme difficulty proving what they need to prove in order to access the benefits that they're entitled to. So this is vitally important. Every worker needs to be vigilant in protecting their rights and should be aware that should they get sick or ill, they'll be required to prove their case. Okay. All right. Well, Joe, that's helpful information. I know we have more of it posted up on our website, um, and we'll continue to put updates as things may change or evolve. So I appreciate you, Joe, for coming on the show. Thanks for taking the time with us today. Thank you, Darcy. Joining me on the podcast now is our digital director, Kevin Eitzman. Hi, Kevin. How are you doing? Good. Still stuck at home. Can't... uh... You know, can't wait to be out, but video conferencing, I've never been so happy to be on video conferencing <laughs> with people before. It's, it's funny, isn't it? But it is important to be able to see each other and, and that feel that connection. It is. So there was a lot of information today, and uh, we want to keep doing this. Uh, it was nice of the senator to come on and, and break down that whole stimulus package for us. And Joe Cannabis, uh, as usual, gave us very valuable information uh, on what we can expect for workers' compensation and um, you know, making some strides with the gig economy, too, with that court case. Absolutely. We, we've had a ton of information uh, that's come out. Uh, it's all on our website under nysaflcao.org slash COVID-19 uh, regarding um, relief for workers, uh, guidance issues from the state of New York. And we also, under our press uh, portion, we have the decision that Joe was referencing uh, regarding the Postmates case. 
Okay, good. That's all helpful information if anyone uh, wants to go there and dig a little deeper into these topics. Well, thank you, Kevin. Hopefully we uh, will all see each other soon. Stay healthy and stay safe. Thank you, Darcy. You too. Thanks for listening to the Union Strong podcast. If you like what you're hearing, you can subscribe and give us a rating. This has been a production of the New York State AFL-CIO. Our president is Mario Salento. Our secretary treasurer is Terry Melvin. We're a federation of 3,000 unions representing 2.5 million union members, retirees, and their families with one goal, to raise the standard of living and quality of life of all working people. We keep New York State unions strong by fighting for better wages, better benefits, and better working conditions. For more information on the labor movement in New York, visit nysaflcio.org. Until next time, stay union and stay strong.